Whitehead drives to the hole. Hangs and what? Isaiah Whitehead ties it up at 67. Outlet pass. Archidiakono front court slips. Fires and that's it. The Seton Hall Pirates defeat Villanova 69-67. And for the first time in 23 years, they're Big East Tournament champion. For the latest in Seton Hall basketball and Seton Hall athletics, this is Courtside Pirates with Chris Pazes. Miles Powell gives Seton Hall the lead with 1.1 second to go. What a shot by Miles Powell. Thompson shows it. Kale steps back, lets it fly. Pyong! Miles Kale, 84-83. And Seton Hall knocks off the number nine team in the nation. 84-83. What a win for the Pirates. This weekly podcast will recap every men's basketball game throughout the Pirates season. Pow! From Trenton! What Trenton makes, the world takes! With special guests along the way, Courtside Pirates will dive into the Pirates season after every game, giving you my thoughts and opinions as Seton Hall looks to return to the NCAA tournament. McKnight will inbound. Pow! They throw it up the Mamo! This is Courtside Pirates with Chris Pazes. The Pirates travel to the KFC Yum Center for their season opener to take on Louisville on Black Friday looking for a feast on the road, but came up just short and skipped dessert as the Pirates lost 71-70 in the Wade Houston tip-off classic and are 0-1 entering the second week of play. In falling, to 6-15 all-time against Louisville, this was Seen Hall's first loss in a season-opening game since Kevin Willard's first season in the 2010-2011 season, when the Pirates lost to Temple. Meanwhile, the highly anticipated matchup against number 2 Baylor that was scheduled for Sunday was canceled after both programs mutually agreed to cancel their November 29th game at the Prudential Center, citing the COVID-19 pandemic as the reason for the cancellation. We have a jam-packed Thanksgiving-sized show for you on Courtside Pirates today. My name is Chris Pazes, and thank you for listening to this podcast. If you like what you hear, please feel free to subscribe to this podcast and follow along on Twitter at Pazes. That is at P-A-I-Z-I-S for updates and new episode announcements. Above all, I would love to hear from you. Feel free to send me over some questions on Twitter that can be answered on the next episode. Jumping right into this game, I don't know about all of you. But I, for one, was so excited going into this first game. And thinking about what has happened to this point, I can't help but think how incredible it is that Seton Hall finally has some games back. And not only just Seton Hall, but the conference as a whole and NCAA basketball. For 265 days, there have been no Seton Hall men's basketball games. 265. It's tough to think that with everything that's gone on in the world, that the one thing that so many Pirate fans have an outlet for has been taken away from them. But now it's back, and Seton Hall really did show some guts and grit in that 71-70 loss to Louisville. 
a lot of questions to be answered. I think the Pirates showed a lot of grit. I think they showed a lot of capabilities of what they can be, but also what they need to work on. In their last game against Louisville, which was on December 1st, 2018 at the Prudential Center, Louisville won that game 70-65. to In their last game at Louisville, which was nearly a year earlier, the Pirates won 79-77 to with the Pirates scoring 38 points in the first half, the same as they did on Friday, and went on to win thanks to a Desi Rodriguez game-winning layup in the lane, which was full of traffic if you remember that correctly. The Stars were aligned for the same road magic in the latest game against the two programs. However, luck was not on the Pirates' side this time. In the first episode of Courtside Pirates, I had predicted that it would be Bryce Aiken, Miles Kale, Jared Roden, Sandro Mamukelashvili, and Ike Obiagu in the starting five. And I held that up until tip-off that I thought that would be the same lineup. When it was announced on Twitter that Shavar Reynolds would be starting over Bryce Aiken, I was a little surprised, to be honest with you, and I was questioning if it had anything to do with COVID-19, or if it had anything to do with any injuries to the knee or leg of Bryce Aiken. Nonetheless, having Reynolds start as a senior, was very excited to see him in the starting lineup. I think he deserves a lot more playing time this year and a lot more minutes, which he will see and which he will get. But you know, a bigger question is going to be, how did this team combat and come back from a two-week hiatus of playing and practicing together and going into their first game on the road against a tough Louisville team that despite their injury concerns and issues they already have internally on their team, are still a very talented team, especially on the road. After the tip-off, which was won by Obiagu, it's very clear to see that the shooting was rusty overall for the team, but that could be expected after the two-week hiatus, in my opinion. And I just felt coming into this game, the shooting was going to be a question mark, especially for the first game of the season and only having three days to practice beforehand. But despite being rusty, they clearly showed they still have that grit and aggression that Pirates fans have come to expect. Magnified by Jared Roden's movement off the ball, which he has easily established early on in this first game. I mean, when you guys watch Jared Roden play, you have to be impressed with his overall ball handling skills. And more importantly, what he does off the ball. I just think he really has shown a strength and an improvement overall that is very unlike a lot of other guys on this current team. Tyrese Samuel checked into the game early alongside Bryce Aiken making his Seton Hall Pirates debut with Samuel hitting a huge three alongside on the court with Bryce Aiken, Jared Roden, Miles Kale, and Mamu Kalashvili. I really think that is a totally different type of lineup and I really am excited to see how this progresses as the season goes on because I think Samuel alongside Aiken, Roden, Kale, and Mamu Kalashvili can really put together a strong offensive dynamic team that alongside other guys might not be able to be possible with the way this team is structured. A totally different type of ball movement was taking place with Aiken on the court with Samuel. Now, there were some question marks in terms of Aiken in in his shot selection, I think, early on. I think he was forcing a lot of those early plays, but he clearly shows that he has an ability and a knack for the ball dribbling, and his speed driving into the lanes is clearly something that's going to be a force for the Pirates should he stay healthy. The Pirates were down 23-18, to And at one point, I just, I felt that this was going to happen. I didn't know when, but I knew Miles Kale was going to take some open shots and they just weren't going to hit. And he took two. He had two big threes, the first of which was an absolute brick. And the second one, he got the ball back right away and it was an air ball. In my opinion, offensively, Kale looked completely lost in the first half. His threes were not dropping and Reynolds was trying to dish him three or four times underneath the basket And instead of shooting it himself, which, in my opinion, Shavar should have done, 
He would pass it off to either Ike or to Kale, and it ended up just being a turnover or a loss on the play with a bad shot being taken. If I'm Coach Willard, I want to see Shavar take those shots. Take them. Get confident with your offensive abilities. Your defense is going to help the Pirates stay in games. Your offense could help you win them. Soon after, Molson checked in for his first game as a Seton Hall Pirate. And overall, I really liked what I saw from Molson. And I really must say, he did a very good job in his first game, especially on defense. The best play I thought he made by far in the game was when he was able to get Louisville to get that five-second penalty coming in on the inbound on the violation. For me, that doesn't show up on the stat sheet, but the way he picked and rolled into the transition of that defense and blocked off the inbound passer really made a huge difference in that momentum shift. And I think you have to attribute that to Molson's ability to know the court and know where people are at all times. And it really showed in that play. And that's something I'm really going to look forward to watching Molson as he develops as a Pirate and how he can transition his game from when he came from Canisius College to the Big East and to Seton Hall. In last week's episode, I was hesitant to really dive into Molson because I wanted to see how he played first. What I saw in this game was really organic in, in terms of a player that has the ability to play well. In the first half, Molson and Aiken, to me, were the two outliers of this team because you just hadn't seen them play. I think Molson has the grit and style of play to be a very competitive and consistent Big East player, especially in a Kevin Willard type of scheme. And I think Bryce Aiken has the talent and the ability to be a very good point guard in the biggies. The key, once again, and it happened early, is his injuries. Bryce Aiken injured himself in the first half and had to come out for the rest of the game. It was later determined that it was an ankle injury, and Willard said after the game that he sprained it pretty good. It's probably, in his opinion, a good week off. Those are the kind of injuries that you get when you haven't played. And that's the, that's the difference there. Bryce Aiken has only played 65 career games going into today's game. It's a tough stretch. It, it, it's a tough break for the Pirates. They, they look like a very different team when Aiken wasn't on the court, and I think they're going to rely on Aiken's ability to score and distribute very heavily as the, as the season and the games progress. But it's going to be tough because I don't think the Pirates have exactly a clear vision of what the team will look like without Bryce Aiken in the starting five. The Pirates, as I mentioned earlier in the episode, went into halftime, tied 38-38, to and I think you should be pretty happy with that if you were a fan of the team. They played well on the road, only had three days of practice against a good team and a very well-coached team with Chris Mack. And I really felt the Pirates held their own in the first half, especially with the injury to Aiken. I think they stayed in it. They were very alert. They were ready to play. They were definitely a little rusty on their shooting, and their shot selection was a little questionable at times. But I really think overall they did a very good job um, to really keep themselves in this game. And then there was the second half. <laughs> foul troubles early. Ike gets his fourth foul one minute into the second half. The team had five fouls with 17.55 remaining in the game, and Samuel drew his fourth foul. Pirates were already fighting an uphill battle with two big men in major foul trouble early in the second half. Aiken out of the game. Jahari Long's checking in to see his first action as a freshman. He clocked four minutes and pulled down one defensive rebound. Not bad for his first time on the court. But I realized very early in the second half that way before the final minute of the game, there is not a single person on this team that will likely average 20 points per game, in my opinion, outside of maybe Sandro. I I just don't see it. I don't see this team consistently scoring at a high level and a high volume. 
And this team is going to have to win with their defense. They have to. There's no, there's no other way to describe what I saw in that first half and what I was seeing early in that second half of the game, depending on who's on the court. This Pirates team is talented, and they are definitely a gritty group of bulldogs. And I personally think they're going to be in nearly every game they play this year. But they don't have prolific scoring, especially if Aiken is out at it for an extended period. Will he be out a week, two, a month? Ankle injuries can be nagging. You know, at one point at the second half, I was talking to my girlfriend with about eight minutes left, and I asked her, if a final shot is needed to be taken, who takes it? And we were talking, and I was thinking, and to be completely honest with you, I don't think that answer is one specific player. I really think each time that these situations happen, and because they're going to be in these close games, it's going to happen often. It's going to come down to who's open to take that game-winning three or who's open to drive the lane and score. And Coach Willard's going to have to create a lot of different plays for those scenarios where in the past it was get the ball to Miles. Get the ball to Powell. Let Powell shoot the three. Let Powell get the inbound. Let him drive in. This either makes you a really dangerous team because you can't coach against it and you can't prep for it, or it really hinders you in those situations. I want to go back to Shavar. I really liked what Reynolds did in his 29 minutes overall. He had his third career double-digit scoring game, but he was just one for five from three and three for 12 from the floor. And this is the one area I was concerned about Shavar going into this season. With extended minutes, how will his game transition? He's very efficient in, in those quick spurt moments. But how does that transition to a 29 to 35 minute on the court appearance? Right now, in the first game, in a very small sample size, was not impressed with his overall performance, but I do think he has a chance to do better. We've seen it. He kept the Pirates in it. There's no question about that, and I think he was the right call to start the game, and I love what he does defensively, but Reynolds needs to have better shot selections. And if anything, I think he needs to shoot a little bit more than he actually was because there were far too many times, like I mentioned earlier, where he would dish the ball off to Obiagu or Kale on the inside and nothing would come of it. I want Shavar to take the shot. I trust Shavar to take his shots. Now he's just got to take them. The Pirates tied the game with four minutes and 45 seconds remaining at 60 after early foul problems. But Louisville started to creep into those foul problems as well, and the Pirates did a very good job of not fouling out and staying competitive in the game. And they found that way to crawl back in after being down by 11 points. The Pirates can attribute that comeback to a 16-2 run to get themselves back in the game. I mean, that was a big swing for the Pirates on the road to be able to get back into this game and even make it competitive towards the end. For the Cardinals, I had tweeted that there was a key matchup that I was going to be watching out for. Bryce Aiken versus transfer guard Kalik Jones. And wow, did he produce. 18 points on 6 of 17 shooting, 6 and 7 from the line, 11 rebounds, 6 assists while playing the full 40 minutes. In my opinion, he was easily the player of the game for the Cardinals. I was also really impressed with Dre Davis, the freshman. He was killing the Pirates, but got into foul trouble and fouled out late in the second half and finished the game with 11 points. The Cardinals had four players score double-digit in the game. And as a team, they shot 43.1% on 58 shots from the floor, 14.3% from three, and 79.2% from the line. 
Despite all of this and the good stats and what's going on with the Cardinals in this game, the Pirates still had a glimmer of hope and were right in it at the end of the game. After calling a timeout, Willer drew up a perfect play for a chance to win the game with 5.5 seconds remaining, down 69-68. The ball was inbounded to Mamu, who passed it to an open lane for Molson, who drove in, and when I looked at the play again, it was clear that he was looking to try to draw the foul. He missed the shot, and the ball bounced around the rim on a couple of tips underneath the basket. It was then recovered by Louisville, and it looked as if the Pirates were going to be out of this game after all. But not quite yet. The Cardinals went to the line and hit both free throws to make it a 71-68 lead. But Molson, with the ball in his possession, got fouled, chucking up a three at the end of the game, in my opinion, a very questionable call. He hit his first two free throws and then missed the last one with 0.2 seconds left in the game as the Pirates could not tie it up to force overtime and lose 71-70, which is your final score. Overall, I think Sandro had a good game, at least on the stat sheet. He had 22 points, 10 rebounds, leading the team in 36 minutes of action. But I did not feel he was a dominating impact player that you needed to see on the court the way Jones was for the Cardinals. His performance, though, marked his eighth career double-double and second 20-10 game of his career. But I just didn't see that wow factor at any moment where you saw him take over the game. He put up consistent numbers the entire game, had a strong overall performance, but nothing about it said wow. Roden, like Shavar, finished with 11 points and 6 rebounds. And he tied Molson for third most rebounds on the team. Molson, meanwhile, finished with 8 points off the bench. And of course, he missed the chance to be the hero in his debut, but promising nonetheless. Obiagu, in my opinion, is going to be a big question mark. Obiagu, despite the foul troubles early, was second in rebounds behind Sandro but was out of place a lot under the basket, and his ball handling is going to be a concern moving forward. I didn't like what I saw with him at certain points in the game, and I really felt that coming into this game, there would be a little bit more of a crispness to him. But again, it's the first game of the season, and there's still a lot of time left in what is going to be a roller coaster of a year for the Seen Hall Pirates. I was really hoping to see more from Samuel, though. In just 11 minutes, he had only three points, two rebounds, but four fouls. Not a good stat line for the first game. And after that big three early on in the first half with a much more dynamic lineup, I was expecting to see a lot more for him down the stretch. And I just didn't see that in this game. Overall, the Pirates shot just 33.3% on 66 shots from the floor. 26.1 from three. Better than the 14.3 for the Cardinals. And 71.1% from the line. But those numbers are a big drop off from their first half shooting with a 42.4%, 30%, and 77.78% line percentage shooting. There is work certainly to be done. But what a resilient effort by this team, with the setbacks they have experienced heading into this season opener, and the adversity during the game with injuries to Bryce Aiken. I thought the Pirates did very well. There's no moral victories, but if there were one, this would be one of those moments. They played well. They had their opportunities. They show that they can be competitive on the road and they're going to be a tough matchup with whoever they are facing. And they had a chance at the end of the game to win the game and the ball just didn't drop their way. Unfortunately, the game against Baylor for this past Sunday was canceled. And does anyone else think that this Baylor situation is a little sketchy? The game versus Seen Hall gets announced as being canceled mutually 
only for them to actively then now seek a replacement game immediately after. Coach Willard did say in his postgame talk with Gary Cohen and Dave Popkin that he is looking to play a game on Monday, and in fact, found a confirmed opponent on Saturday afternoon. It was first reported that the Pirates would travel to Bubbleville at Mohegan Sun Resort, where they would have faced St. Joe's on Monday at 3.30 p.m. However, due to logistical issues, the game was quickly canceled and the Pirates went back on the hunt for another opponent. They were able to land Iona in a home game at the Prudential Center, their first game at the Rock of the season. This is an exciting matchup for the Pirates, especially for Kevin Willard, who will be coaching against his former team and mentor, Rick Pitino, in the first ever game that Pitino will be coaching at Iona. Coach Willard and the Seton Hall Pirates have plenty of motivation heading into this game, and they look to get their first win of the season. COVID continues to impact the Seton Hall women's basketball team as well, as the team announced that due to the ongoing pause of team activities, the women's team has postponed its first two Big East Conference games of the season. The games include at Butler on December 4th and home against Connecticut on December 6th. The Lady Pirates will now tentatively begin the 2020-2021 season hosting Wagner at Walsh Gym on December 11th. This brings us to our closing segment, Courtside Perspective. It has been 265 days since the Scene Hall men's basketball team stepped on the court. And the best we can get was an ESPN camera angle that looked like it was filmed from the roof. I know I wasn't the only one that felt that way. But it's 265 days. A lot has changed on this team. Three key players are gone. But I can't help but think that the Miles Powell effect is still clearly hanging over this team and the perception of this team to others. I lost count of the amount of times ESPN mentioned Seton Hall and Miles Powell in the same sentence during that broadcast. You would have thought that Miles Powell was still on the team. The Pirates need to find a new identity away from Miles Powell. And I think they will. But it won't be one player. It's going to be a team. It has to. If not, the Pirates are in for a very tough stretch during the dog days of this season. That February schedule is going to get tough. It's inevitable. Schedules are going to change, and games are going to be bunched together. The toughest games in the schedule will come in the middle of this season, especially during Big East play. And I think the bigger question is, who takes those final shots? Who's the guy that's called on to make the last play? With the game on the line, is it Sandro Mamoukalashvili? Is it Shavar Reynolds? Does Miles Kale get the confidence he needs to shoot better in crunch situations? Will Bryce Aiken be healthy enough to take those shots? Molson looks like a guy that wants to shine. I really like that about Molson. He has that grit winning mentality. And he wants to be the guy. But he needs to prove it on the court. He had his opportunities. And he did well overall. The narrative would be very different right now had the Pirates ended up winning this game. Especially on that last chance bucket by Takal Molson. But they didn't. The Pirates are now 0-1 on the season. It's going to be a long season, and the Pirates will continue to find ways to win and stay in games competitively. But the motto, one game at a time, will continue to reign true. I saw on Twitter and all social media platforms this weekend how Pirates fans were very optimistic seeing what they saw in this first game. For the most part, they were very positive thoughts, but there were some concerns. 
shot selection, consistency on the court, and development of some key players. All these will be continued to be watched as the season progresses. And we'll discuss them here on Courtside Pirates with Chris Pazes. If you enjoyed this podcast, please feel free to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Anchor and search Courtside Pirates with Chris Pazes. Also, feel free to follow me on Twitter at Pazes and let me know what you thought about this episode and send over any questions you may want answered for an upcoming episode. The next episode will be on Monday, December 7th, following Scene Hall's tentatively scheduled four games against Iona at the Prudential Center, at Rhode Island, versus Oregon in Omaha, Nebraska, and at Penn State. Again, my name is Chris Pazes. Thank you for listening. We will see you next time on Courtside Pirates.